The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's jazz it up, Welcome to the Laura Theodore Podcast. You may know me from my popular television show, Jazzy Vegetarian, where I feature easy and delicious vegan recipes, along with tips for living a kinder, plant-based life. Now I invite you to join me here each week, where I'll welcome amazing guests to share upbeat and informative conversations featuring motivational lifestyle advice and nutritional guidance, plus lots of jazzy-licious recipe ideas. It's all served up with sensational music on the side. Music! So let's get talking. Welcome to Season 2 of the Laura Theodore Podcast. I am so happy that you have joined me here today. I'm wishing you good health and hoping that you are having a wonderful autumn season because today we have an incredible show featuring a fabulous guest, Dr. Greg Hammer, MD, and he is going to teach us how to find happiness. Hmm, we all need that, don't we? Yes. He's written an incredible book, and he's going to share all about that with us on the program today. And then later on, we're going to have a happy song from Johannes Lindstedt, and I am going to share a fabulous fall recipe. It's all on today's show, so I do hope you will stay tuned. But meanwhile, let's get on with the show. It is now my great honor to welcome Dr. Greg Hammer, MD, who is a Stanford professor and a physician, and he is author of Gain Without Pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals. Dr. Hammer is a pediatric intensive care physician, pediatric anesthesiologist, and professor at Stanford University Medical Center. He is currently the chair of the Physician Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists, and he has been a visiting professor on wellness at institutions worldwide. Dr. Hammer is a health enthusiast and meditator, utilizing a mindfulness-based approach. I love that. And that's including the GAIN method. And I'd like to welcome him to the program right now. How are you today, Dr. Hammer? I'm doing very well, Laura. Pleasure to be with you. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here with you because what you're talking about is something that is so important in the way of the world right now. And I just want to get right to it. In your book, you talk about how learning self-compassion and self-forgiveness 
are essential to happiness. Talk a little bit about that, if you would, please. Sure. Laura, there are ways that our brains work, neural pathways that seem to be uh, embedded or hardwired, and they include a negativity bias. That is, we tend to dwell on and remember the negative and forget about our positive experiences. And the second way in which we're hardwired that tends to veil or interfere with our happiness is that we're very distracted by the past and the future beyond ways that are adaptive. Of course, it's great to think about the past in terms of remembering wonderful times with loved ones and even to remember mistakes we've made so that we don't repeat them. But we tend to overthink the past and that generates in combination with our negativity bias, shame and regret and low self-esteem. So, The good news is that our brains have this wonderful property called neuroplasticity. So if we have a purposeful practice, we can actually change the way we think. We can rewire our brains. So you asked about self-doubt, low self-esteem, lack of self-compassion. Those are all related. And they all relate to, again, the combination of our negativity bias and our tendency to dwell on past experiences beyond that, which is uh, adaptive. Mm -hmm. So I think feeling shame, regret, uh, lack of self-compassion. You know, the book uh, has the algorithm, or rather the acronym, excuse me, GAIN, GAIN Without Pain. The GAIN stands for what I think are the four pillars of happiness. Gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. And the N being non-judgment is key, as are the other three elements, because our minds are always evaluating everything in our environment and ourselves. And again, with our negativity bias, we tend to cast a bit of a negative hue when we look at the world around us. Other people, we often criticize, we may gossip, etc., but we are our own harshest critics. So Mm -hmm. here you have the negativity bias, our obsession with the past, and when we analyze our past as it pertains to ourselves, we tend to be very harshly critical. And this is certainly something that interferes with our ability to be happy. So self-compassion is really part of non-judgment because if we're not judging ourselves then we're, you know, automatically compassionate and accepting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times, too, what happens is that we forget that. In other words, we're always so concerned about the other person or how they're feeling or how they're viewing us or how they're judging us. We forget that the first person we have to look at is ourselves, being compassionate with ourselves. And then something else that I really like you talk about a lot is self-forgiveness. I think that's one of the hardest things of all, once again, particularly with what's going on in this world. And that leads me on to um, my next question. I really love this quote that you put into the book. It says, the goal to happiness can be found by simply allowing everything to be exactly as it is from moment to moment. That sounds so important to me, but just get into that a little bit, if you would, please. 
Yes, Laura. My One of my heroes is Dr. John Kabat-Zinn. He's really the founder of mindfulness. He started using mindfulness as a therapeutic tool back in the 1970s in Massachusetts, where he started this mindfulness-based stress reduction course or class with patients who had chronic illnesses uh, who were suffering over and above that which is sort of inherently uh, part of their disorder or disease. And he defined mindfulness as awareness of the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And that really resonates because awareness of the present moment, as I said before, we have a negativity bias and we have this distraction with the past and future. We are not inherently aware of the present moment except under certain circumstances we are, but happiness lives in the present moment. If you think about all the times that one is most happy, for example, we're hiking through the forest, we're smelling that lovely pine scent, we're feeling the softness of the forest floor with a layer of pine needles uh, against the bottom of our feet as we walk, we're looking at the light filtering through the canopy and the trees high above us, marveling at the the redwoods and, and pines and other trees surrounding us. We are not thinking about yesterday or the list of things we have to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking of mistakes we've made for which we're very self-critical. We are in the moment and therefore we are happy. And I think if we think of all the other times we're truly happy, it's when we're present. So the question is, how can we be present more of the time? when it's not adaptive to be thinking of the past and the future. And that's what Dr. Kabat-Zinn was referencing when he said that mindfulness, and it could be the definition of happiness, mindfulness is awareness of the present moment on purpose, and the on purpose is because our default mode is to be in this negative space and overthinking the past and future. So if we're going to be present, We need to have a plan. We need to actually learn how to rewire our brains, take advantage of this neuroplasticity. And the good news is we're capable of doing that. That's what the game method is all about. And he said, awareness of the present moment on purpose, Mm non-judgmentally. And so we can talk about judgment and non-judgment and why they are the end and gain and the key or a key to happiness. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes perfect sense, and it it is so difficult to achieve, and that's why it's so wonderful that you really get into it in the book. Uh, Everyone, we're talking with uh, Dr. Greg Hammer, and he's the author of Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. The next thing that I'd like to get into, Dr. Hammer, is once again really related to how we're so many of us are feeling in this world today, and that's stress, stress, stress. Please talk a little bit about how when we practice compassion, that can actually help us to experience reduced stress. Great question, Laura. Stress is really part of life. I think that stress is represented by fear, by anxiety. We're fearful of our of our own mortality. When we overthink the future, we tend to generate fear and anxiety. Um, Life is stressful at its baseline. And then 
I think, at least in my lifetime, the last three years have been the most stressful ever. We've had the pandemic. We have a global food shortage. We have climate change. And we've had a war in Ukraine with people just being treated terribly. And I think this affects all of us. So I think we're all very stressed out. And chronic stress leads to adverse changes in our physiology, our cardiovascular system, our immune system, our hormone system. It interferes with our sleep. And then we get into sort of a self-propagating cycle of poor sleep. We're tired. We pick up sugary and so-called comfort foods, which are fatty and not healthy. We tend not to exercise as much. So sleep, exercise, and nutrition being so vital to our physical well-being are all compromised. So how can we let go of stress? And that's what mindfulness is. That's what the game practice is. And when we learn how to focus our thoughts on the present moment, when we embrace gratitude, acceptance for the pain that is in life that we can't change, that we should embrace, uh, intention is doing so purposefully because it's other than our default mode. And, and we've been talking about non-judgment, which I think is very closely linked to forgiveness and compassion, mm-hmm. whether it's toward others or toward ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. And that makes perfect sense because, you know, sometimes we just think about our stress or we feel stressed out and we're saying, well, why am I feeling this way? Or we think it's one reason or the other reason. And, and the thing that you talk about throughout the book and that you're talking about throughout our conversation today, which I personally feel is so important, but also so hard to achieve is the importance of gratitude. And please talk about that, how we attain that and how we keep a level of gratitude that's really going to help us to be happy. Well, as you said, gratitude is, intrinsically part of happiness. You can be poor and happy. You can be physically disabled and happy, but you can't be ungrateful and happy. And it's therefore empiric that gratitude is an essential ingredient to happiness as our acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. But how do we become more grateful? I think it's actually not complicated. Um, But again, our brains are wired to be negative and distracted. And so when we're in that mode, we lose track of that for which we're grateful. So what we need to do is have a plan, is have a practice, ideally a daily practice, Mm -hmm. even a very short one, to focus on our gratitude. And the more we focus on it, the more our mind goes to those thoughts and they become gradually more empirically part of our default mode of thinking. So if we have a gratitude practice, whether it is journaling, that for which we're grateful before we go to sleep at night, um, it's part of the gain practice, which is as little as three minutes of contemplative meditation every morning. So we start with our breath, we focus on our breath, we slow it down. This decreases our heart rate, our blood pressure, the adrenaline in our body, and then we go to gratitude. And we simply think of, we focus our thoughts, we contemplate that for which we're grateful. And we all have much for which to be grateful. So, for example, you know, many of us are not in perfect health, but we can be grateful that we have the attributes of health that we do have. 
and that we live in a place where for most of us, there's access to healthcare. Um, we have uh, the ability to improve our health through foods that are generally available, exercise, sleep hygiene. We're grateful for people that we love and who love us. Uh, some of us are grateful for the work that we do. I bet that's a focus of your own gratitude, the ability to connect with people and to help people is certainly part of my gratitude practice. When we contemplate that for which we're grateful, and we all have elements for which we can be grateful, we're actually, without thinking about it, rewiring our brain to be more grateful. And the more grateful we are, the happier we are. And our stress level will diminish accordingly. So it's actually kind of miraculous that we can, by simply directing our thoughts toward gratitude in this case, rewire our brains to become even more grateful. And then we get on this positive, self-propelling cycle of gratitude and happiness. It's within our reach. Yes. Wow. So beautifully said. I had a lot of people talk about gratitude on this program and the way that you just described it, I think it's just so wonderful and all the tips are fantastic too because I really agree. I mean, I found particularly since, you know, over the past three years, as, as you referred to a little bit earlier, you know, I found myself like everybody else, you know, getting towards, oh, I'm complaining in my mind about something or I'm stressing out or I'm or I'm worried or I'm just, well, why can't I have this or why can't I have that? But something that really helps me is if I find myself at all going in that direction, I'll just take a moment. I'll take a breath. I'll look around. I'll say, oh, thank you for the beautiful shelter I have over my head or, as you said, thank you that I have the job that I do have that I can help people to eat healthier Thank you that I have food. I mean, just the small things that we often don't think about every day. I agree with you. It's so important to recognize them. And that's what's really helped me get through. I think of any of the things that we live with day by day throughout the past three years in particular, remembering gratitude can be the most difficult, but also the most gratifying in helping us to move forward. Is, does that make any sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. And the good news is that these principles are all very simple and they're universal. I think that gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment are really part of all positive philosophies, religions, and they're accessible to all of us. And, and again, it's all about sort of rewiring the way we think. And when we pay attention to gratitude, it begets more attention to gratitude, right? So mm -hmm. that's the wonderful thing about neuroplasticity. We're actually reshaping the way we think. We're establishing new neural connections when we focus on these thoughts. And <laughs> then what happens is, as you alluded to, so we have a daily practice. We journal our gratitude. We think about three good things before we go to sleep, which has actually been shown to make us sleep better and, and allow us to be happier. Just the, that little simple practice. We do the gain practice in the morning. And then when we find that we're complaining and we're being ungrateful, a little light bulb goes off and we catch ourselves and we recognize that, oh, well, I can just as easily think about things for which I'm grateful rather than complaining and being ungrateful. 
So, you know, it's sort of a glass half full, glass Mm -hmm. half empty. When we're sort of moaning and whining about various circumstances, a light bulb goes off. If we've started to establish these gratitude pathways in our brain, if you will, we recognize what we're doing and we kind of can have a laugh to ourselves and simply remember that for which we are grateful. And, and this way of thinking begets more of this way of thinking. It's really quite interesting. Yeah, I agree completely. The name of the book is Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals by the amazing Dr. Greg Hammer. In closing, Dr. Hammer, there's something that you talk about that I never really connected before, I think, completely. How does learning to become more optimistic on a regular basis help us to be happier? Well, again, it's just more of the same. It's that we do tend to have this negativity bias. I tell a story in the book, working with a trainee in the operating room, she did everything perfectly well. We had four challenging cases. All the patients had great outcomes. She did all the procedures well, but for one, she couldn't get a little catheter in a baby's artery in the wrist that we wanted to place for monitoring and and drawing blood when we needed to during this big operation. So I stepped in and did that, but she did everything else flawlessly. She goes home, she has dinner with her husband. Before she goes to bed, she's taking stock of her day. Does she think about all the things that went well? No, she thinks about that one minor thing that didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And that is a good example of our negativity bias. And again, the good news is we can rewire our brain uh, to be more positive. And I think gratitude, uh, acceptance, intention, non-judgment are actually all positive ways of thinking. That may seem paradoxical when it comes to accepting painful experiences, but actually they're all part of happiness. And so I think we can rewire our brains to change this negativity bias to a positivity bias, right? So why do we always remember that one negative thing in our day and we forget about all the wonderful connections we made and the productivity, um, all the, you know, the, the sunshine, we tend to think of the negative, but we can change that. And I think it's just sort of self evident that the more we become positive thinking instead of negative thinkers, the happier we will be. Good point. I love that one. That's a great way to conclude this interview. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy day to share your expertise with us. And uh, you are absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for the incredible work that you are doing. And I wish you and your family good health and, of course, much happiness. Thank you so much, Laura. Uh, Likewise, and it's been a great pleasure. I'd be happy to chat with you anytime. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Well, that was the amazing, the incredible Dr. Greg Hammer. And you can certainly learn more about Dr. Hammer at greghammermd.com. That's greghammermd.com. And the name of the book is Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. We want to thank Dr. Hammer for taking time out of his busy day to be with us today. That was an amazing interview. We hope we have time to visit with him again. Thank you so much, Dr. Hammer. Well, in jazzy news this week, it's coming soon. My new book and the 10th anniversary season of Jazzy Vegetarian is going to start airing in many major broadcast stations around the country in November. And we're going to be keeping you updated about that. Of course, you can always learn about the television schedule, get recipes, see videos, learn about all my books, purchase books at jazzyvegetarian.com. That's jazzyvegetarian.com. Well, I know you've been waiting for it. This is a really, really easy recipe for autumn. Vegan and delicious, my recipe of the week. Creamy cauliflower soup. Well, of course, there's no actual cream in it, and of course, it's totally vegan, but there is cauliflower, and it is soup, and there's just a handful of ingredients. This is just a fantastic recipe to serve all through the fall and winter season. It's really tummy-warming, and man, it is really easy. You're just going to have steamed cauliflower with some plant-based milk and a few seasonings, and uh, well, then your family's going to say, is there any dairy in this soup? You're going to say, no, it's completely vegan. So here it is, creamy cauliflower soup. And you'll find this recipe at jazzyvegetarian.com, creamy cauliflower soup, under episode 307. That's under season three recipes, under our TV recipes, episode 307. And here it is. It makes four servings. You're going to start off with one medium to large head of cauliflower. You want to cut that into florets. One cup of vegetable broth, plus more as needed. One quarter cup plus two tablespoons unsweetened dairy-free milk, plus more as needed. You can use any dairy-free milk that you like with this. Just make sure that it's unsweetened, or if it is sweetened, just lightly sweetened. Of course, you don't want to use a flavored dairy-free milk with this. So that's a great jazzy tip. Then a half a teaspoon of ground cumin. Mm, Makes it super, super yummy. Quarter teaspoon of sea salt and freshly ground pepper. That's the whole thing. Couldn't be easier, right? We'll see. It's so easy to make. You're just going to steam those cauliflower florets for about 20 minutes until they're nice and tender. And then you're going to put the Florets, after you cool them for about 10 minutes, and the vegetable broth and your dairy-free milk, your cumin, your sea salt, and your pepper in a blender and process until it's nice and smooth and creamy. And you're just going to add more broth or dairy-free milk until you achieve the desired consistency. Of course, more dairy-free milk if you want it to be a little thinner and less if you want it to be thicker. And pour it into a medium-sized saucepan, cover and cook over medium to medium-low heat for about 10 minutes until it's really heated through. Watch it while it cooks. It is 
going to bubble up. Make sure you stir it often. And then, of course, you want to serve it nice and hot. You can make this soup the day before you're going to serve it. After the soup is blended, let it cool thoroughly and then pack it in a tightly sealed container and then store it in the refrigerator for up to 24 hours. And then all you need to do to serve it at that point is pour it into your medium-sized saucepan, cover, simmer over medium-low heat. That's going to take about 20 minutes to get till it's nice and piping hot. You want to stir it often. And another little jazzy tip with this, after it sits in the refrigerator for a while, it is going to thicken up a bit. So you do want to add a little bit more of that dairy-free milk or your veggie broth as needed. There it is, creamy cauliflower soup. The family's gonna love it. It's a really, really good one. And that's under season three recipes, under the TV recipes, 307. 307. Oh, yeah. Well, music today from the amazing Johannes Lindstedt. And I thought this was really appropriate for today's podcast because the title of the tune is called The Happy Song. So here it is, Johannes Lindstedt with The Happy Song.
to the amazing Johannes Lindstedt with a happy song. Wasn't that appropriate today? Because our topic, of course, was finding happiness. And that song certainly does make me happy every time I listen to it. You can learn more about Johannes at johanneslindstedt.com. That's johanneslindstedt.com. And of course, he's been a guest on this program many times. So you want to go back and listen to some of the podcasts where he was the featured guest. Well, this always goes by way too quickly. I'm so happy you tune in every week to listen to this podcast. And I certainly hope that after this show today, you are feeling a little bit happier. So until next time, be happy, be healthy, and be well. From me, Laura Theodore, a.k.a. the Jazzy Vegetarian. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.